Our need for rest reminds us of our need for God. I want you to take your Bibles and open those to Mark chapter 2, picking up in verse 23. As a church family, we are spending much of the year in the gospel of Mark, the the story of Jesus that Mark tells to us. And as we look at the story, we're entering into the, the second section for us as a church where we look at Jesus and the stories that unfold as people begin to realize that he is more than they expected and that he's asking and expecting more of them than they ever realized that he would, that his yoke is also easy and his burden is light. Mark chapter, uh, in Mark chapter 2, we begin to see Jesus dealing with some Sabbath laws. And as he deals with these Sabbath laws, he's pointing out that the hearts of these people are far from God because they somehow, in the midst of everything, have missed what it means to rest in God. And to miss resting in God means that you have overlooked and missed your need for God. Sabbath is a unique concept for us in 2022. The idea of resting is not something that we are always tied to, and we don't even see the problem in our hearts that we don't want to find rest. Because we're always looking for something. So this morning, more than likely, you showed up at Grace Bible Church and you interacted with someone that you may or may not know. If you knew that person on the front side, you may have had a conversation that worked a little bit like this. You see them, they see you, you begin to chat with one another. How are you doing? I'm good. Just really busy. We love to tell everyone how busy we are. It's this mark of pride for us. The idea of not observing the notion of rest that Scripture continually talks to us about. I'm good, I'm just busy. None of you would have shown up with any of the other commandments and said, you know, I'm good, I'm good, I just did this. Let's just work through these top ten because the idea of observing the Sabbath is the fourth commandment. Imagine you show up and you see your friend and they say, how are you? And you say, I'm good. I, I mean, I'm fine. I worshiped a law this week. And I worked in a little Joseph Smith just in case. But other than that, it's all good. I'm fine. Or maybe you showed up and you see this, this friend that you've not caught up with in a while. And you say, you know, I'm fine. I'm doing really good. I spent a few hours melting down my wife's jewelry so we could make this statue to pray to. Or... How are you? I'm really good, but this morning I I cursed God while I was driving to church in traffic. Other than that, I'm solid. How are you? It's been a really good week, but I did tell my parents off, and that felt really, really good. How are you? You know, I'm okay. I've, I've had a really good week. I had to deal with my lousy neighbor, if you know what I mean. How are you? I'm fine. I did have an inappropriate relationship with someone that I work with. How are you? Well, I stole my neighbor's lawnmower on Tuesday because I was so jealous of it on Monday, but I lied to the police when they came by. We would not celebrate the idea of breaking any of the other commandments. But our hearts lean away from the notion of resting in who God is and what God does for us. We make no effort to hide our busyness. Sometimes in stress, we run to in our com- in comfort, for comfort. Jesus 
is going to talk to us about Sabbath and bring a full understanding of that in this passage. But we would know that remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy is part of what God has designed for his people. Unhindered busyness, being distracted and restless, those are major blocks for us in our spiritual lives. And God has given us a gift, an absolute gift, when he tells us we are insufficient in our own power. Mark chapter 2, 23. On the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. And his disciples began to make their way, picking some heads of grain. The Pharisees, they said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered into the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and he ate the bread of the presence which is not lawful for anyone to eat except for the priest. And also, he gave some to his companions. Then he told them the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So then the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus entered the synagogue again. And a man was there with a shriveled hand. In order to accuse him, they were watching him closely to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. He told the man with the shriveled hand, just stand before us. Then he said to them, it is lawful to do good. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. After looking around at them with anger, he was grieved at the hardness of their hearts and told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out. And his hand was restored. Immediately the Pharisees went out and started plotting with the Herodians against him how they might kill him. We're going to see a few things about Sabbath today. The first is that true Sabbath replenishes us. The other is that true Sabbath restores us. True Sabbath replenishes. True Sabbath restores. Whenever we talk about Sabbath, for most of us, we think that's just Sunday. I go to church on Sunday. When Chick-fil-A is closed, I show up with my church friends. We interact with one another. We go to eat at one of the myriad of options that the Lake Jackson slash Clute area has to offer. Just a good time to honor the Sabbath. But for the Jewish people, the idea of Sabbath is much, much more than that. It starts at sundown on Friday and it kind of carries through for the next 24 hours. Their whole day shuts down. When you look through the history of the the Jewish people and and the story of the Jewish people, there's the idea of honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy that we find in the book of Exodus. You also have these religious leaders who took that notion and said, let's add more to it. Let's make this more difficult. So you have these unverified leaders called the Pharisees who have added to the weight of Sabbath. They've made it much more difficult than it should necessarily be. Uh, They would give instructions to people as to what they should do and why they should do it on Sabbath and what they should not do and why they should not do that. Tailor, if you were a tailor uh, uh, sewing things together, you were not allowed to carry a needle on the Sabbath day. Fire could not be lit nor could it be extinguished on the Sabbath day. Nothing, you could not carry anything heavier than a dried fig. Do you know what's heavier than a dried fig? Everything. 
You could not move chairs on the Sabbath. There were no mirrors. You were not allowed to look into a mirror for the fear that you would pluck a gray hair. You could only receive medical treatment in the case that it was a, a situation of emergency, life or death. All of these are tied to the notion of insufficiency because the idea of the Sabbath is to remind you that no matter how good you happen to be, no matter how attractive you may be, no matter how efficient you may be, you are insufficient. You, you will never work enough uh, to do all that needs to be done. There's not enough for you to do to make yourself whatever enough. And it has become, it's become this sign of his fellow Jewish commitment to a fierce and exclusive Jewish identity. So initially the idea of honoring the Sabbath was a good thing and it transitions to we are going to observe this to be fiercely loyal to our Jewish identity and they missed the idea of what Sabbath actually meant altogether. Even today, if you are to travel to Israel or to a place with a high population of Jewish people, you will observe some things that are tied to Shabbat. There are Shabbat elevators. If you are unfamiliar with what that means, it means the elevator intentionally stops on every floor so that you do not feel the need to push a button because that would be work. I've eaten a meal over warmers on Shabbat. They serve this meal to you. I've heard a rabbi tell stories about the hope of the coming Messiah. And I sat there and I listened and I could not understand how this person missed the idea of Jesus. Because everything that he said about God being our light, God being our warmth, God being our hope, all of those things are in the flesh in this Messiah that we know as Christian people. These, the idea of knowing God and interacting with God and knowing who God is is tied to Him being your sufficient rest. These Pharisees see Jesus in verse 23. And when they see Jesus, Jesus is with His disciples, but make no bones about it. They've been watching Jesus. They are paparazzi. They are doing everything they can to catch Jesus in the act of sinning. And Jesus knows this and just keeps doing whatever he wants to do. Verse 23. On the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to make their way heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath day? Verse 25. Jesus said, Have you never read... I love that phrase of Jesus because he literally looked at people who spend their whole lives reading the Bible and said, Y'all never read the Bible? What David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to do except the priest. And he gave some to his companions. Jesus makes a reference to a story that you may or may not be familiar with. David has been appointed, he has been anointed the king of Israel, though it is a secret anointing. Saul is still technically the king. The priests in the temple see David and they feed him bread that is not technically supposed to be fed to David because they were supporting his claim to the throne. And Jesus in this passage is alluding to this Old Testament teaching that he, like David, is the true king who has not yet come to his throne. The thing is, he's anointed at his baptism that we see in Mark chapter, early on in the Gospel of Mark. And he will be enthroned when we see him crucified on the cross. Jesus is using the story of David to say, that story, it is foreshadowing what will happen in me. 
On top of all that, he interacts with a priest as a hungry man in need of food. And the word of the Lord is something that we should be reminded of as we're looking at the letter of the law. And we may have the idea to miss the heart of it where God would say to us, I desire mercy, not just sacrifice. People are made in the image of God. And caring for people means more than just keeping the Sabbath. It means more than observing this ritual that is good. Are we as people in similar situations where we can miss the heart of God for hurting broken people? Because we have some misunderstanding or maybe even a good understanding of what the letter of the law happens to be. As if our condemnation would condemn them any more than what John says in John chapter 3. The people who are apart from God, you and me included, are condemned already. David and his men ate this consecrated bread even though they weren't supposed to. Jesus says to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So then, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus has just said to the Pharisees, don't miss my importance in all of this by keeping your letter of the law. I begin to think about my, my own heart when it comes to the behavior of other people. You should do this. You shouldn't do that. Why would you ever do that? Why do you act like that? Why would you think that? And I'm reminded that the letter of the law takes me to see God's heart for people. That God wants people who are far from him to draw near to him. That God wants people to know him and love him. And if I am satisfied with the idea that I am sufficient in my knowledge and I miss having the heart of God for lost people, for people who are far from Him, who have chosen for whatever reason to pull away from Him, then I have missed God's heart that He has called me to have. Jesus says in this passage, the Sabbath is for me. It points to me. It finds its fulfillment in me. There is rest, real rest, Underneath the written rest. N.T. Wright says this, Jesus is the walking, celebrating, victorious Sabbath. Think about it like this. You, imagine you have written in your journal your little autobiography. I don't know how many pages it would be. But you've written your story. Someone gets a hold of your journal where you told your life story, how you grew up and wherever you grew up and how you've gotten to where you happen to be. And they begin to interpret things that are, seem to be fuzzy to them. That's what Jesus is saying the Pharisees have done. They have taken the story of Sabbath and they have misunderstood it. Jesus is saying, everything that you read, it unpacks itself in me. It finds its fulfillment in me. Jesus points out that true rest would replenish in the same way that the disciples would, feel, would be able to eat in this passage. Jesus says, that's what I do for people. Real rest is found in the sufficiency that I offer. Not only do we see that, we see the true Sabbath uh, restores us. Jesus enters the synagogue again, and there was a man there. He had a shriveled hand. R.C. Sproul points out, 
that this hand more than likely had been injured, possibly injured in work because one's this way and the other's not. I'm not exactly sure. He's a much smarter man than me. In order to accuse him, they were watching him closely to see whether he would heal this man on the Sabbath. And Jesus told the man with the shriveled hand, stand before us. In saying this, Jesus has put this man at the central center of the trial. Because Jesus is on trial. And this is his witness. The last thing Sproul says that this man wants to do is be in the center of some political dispute. But the first thing that he wants is for his hand to be better. So he stands there. Jesus looks at these men and says, Is it lawful? Is it lawful for me to do good on the Sabbath or, or to do evil? Is it lawful to save life or, or to kill? Is it lawful? What am I supposed to do? Because the rules, understanding of the rules say this. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to act? In what way should I behave? Matthew reports to us that Jesus asked this question alongside of it. To these Pharisees who are focusing on this objective man's situation. Because honestly, in their understanding of the rules, Jesus should not heal this man's hand. This isn't a life or death situation. This is a hand situation. And Jesus says to them, Suppose one of you had a sheep and it falls into a ditch on the Sabbath day. My dad wasn't a Bible scholar. He, he got lots of Bible stories confused. And one of the things that he would always encourage me to do was to dig my brother out of a ditch. And I think it's a poor misinterpretation of what's happening here. You know what the good book says. Dig your brother out of a ditch. Where? What verse? Suppose one of you has a sheep and it falls into a ditch on the Sabbath day. You'll grab it. You'll haul it out. Won't you? How much more important are people than sheep? Jesus looks at a group of people who claim to be the voice of God, but in no way, shape, or form do they reflect the compassion of God. On top of that, they refuse to admit they're wrong. The Pharisees have forgotten who the law actually belongs to. Because the law belongs to God. How regularly is that in my heart? Forgetting that the law belongs to God. The, law, the point of the law is to take me to God. The, the law should help me to see that God loves and cares for me. That God loves and cares for people who are far from Him. Jesus said, Should I heal his hand? Or should I not? So we're supposed to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Why does Jesus seem to grow so frustrated with these men in this passage? In both situations, these men have betrayed the very purpose of Sabbath. Because the purpose of Sabbath is to restore the weak and to replenish the exhausted. And Jesus looks at them and he sees that they have no desire to see either one of those things happen. They just want law for law's sake. And that's completely unhelpful to the message of Jesus. 
We should desire for people's hearts to be moved toward God. Not simply to observe the rules and regulations that we find, though they are helpful and good, if our heart is not for people to be drawn nearer to God, but our heart is that we would be right, then we are wrong. No matter how much we think we've got this thing figured out. We look at the text and we see that Jesus is pushing them toward the idea that the real hope is not in them, it's in Him. That the real hope is not that they would keep these rules, but that it's in Him because Jesus has compassion for those who need to know His compassion. Jesus desires to show mercy to those who need to see and know mercy. That includes each and every one of us. Jesus is pushing out the idea of mercy and compassion at the center of what God does in His law. But Chad, what if I've got it figured out? I mean, what if we memorize verses on top of memorized verses and then we memorize them in a different translation and then a third translation and then we even listen to a YouTube video from some Theo bro about what the Greek and the Hebrew mean? What if I've got that stuff figured out? If you are missing compassion, you're wrong. If you do not desire sacrifice, you're wrong. No matter how much you know, no matter how much I know, If we miss the heart of Jesus, then the letter of Jesus should be damning to you as much as you are attempting to damn someone else. We're supposed to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Why does Jesus grow frustrated? Because they miss the purpose. Did Jesus devalue the Sabbath? No, he's the very value of the Sabbath. The Pharisees did when they did not see him as their all-sufficient sufficiency. Are you finding rest in and only in what God has done for you in Jesus? Not in what you know or how much you know or what you do or how much you do it. Are you finding your rest in the idea that Jesus is your sufficient sufficiency? You see verse 5 and 6. After looking around at them with anger, he was grieved at the hardness of their hearts. And I pray that we will be grieved at the hardness of our very own hearts. Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out. And his hand was restored. Jesus is about restoration. He's always about restoration. People, as long as you have a today, Jesus is able to restore you. As long as those people in your life have a today, Jesus is capable of restoring them. No matter how far gone they may be, He reminds us that every corner and crevice of the universe belongs to Him. They don't get so far gone that He can't get them if they're living and breathing. Jesus says this to the Pharisees, and you would think, this withered hand, it's one thing, they've been eating the grains in, in the field. But here, Jesus takes a man whose hand can't do anything. And he makes it better. It unatrophies. The muscles begin to do muscular things again. The structure of the hand resembles the structure of his other hand. It is like it had never gone through anything hard. Jesus does something miraculous in this passage. 
And they turn away from him. Why? They were never really interested in him being their rest. They wanted to continue to rest in how right they thought they were. How good they thought they were. How smart they thought they were. How figured out they thought they had figured out everything. What about us? As a church family who gathers together in this building each and every week, is your understanding of walking with Jesus boiling down to anything more than he is sufficient? Is your interaction with the scripture tied to the idea that you have an affection for him because you realize your own insufficiency? That you missed resting in him? Because he wants us to rest in him because he's the only rest there is. It's so interesting when we begin to look at the, the history of the work day. There was a point when it was what a limited amount of time. A limited amount of time that you would have each and every day to do your work and then you would leave. Miraculous things happen and we invent the internet. Al Gore did. And when he invented, that's a joke, I don't know who invented the internet. When the internet came to be, there was the notion of emails and how emails would work and and they were supposed to make the workday shorter. How many of you have an email account? How many of you have a shorter workday because of that email account? Rather than being able to detach from work, we're always attached to work. Jesus is pointing out here the idea of rhythm. And we've got to be careful talking about rhythm in a room full of white people because you've already proven you didn't have rhythm when he asked you to clap earlier. <laughs> we, as Jesus' people, are to, as best we can, realize that our best isn't good enough and to align our hearts with what his heart is. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Compassion, I want to show that. I want to display that. And to lean into him and realize and find where his word takes us to him as the word who became flesh and dwelled in our presence. So are you finding your rest in Jesus? That's the question that we have. Are we continually, consistently finding our rest in the accomplished work of Christ on the cross? The king who was anointed... The king, when crucified, was enthroned. And the king who is coming back to take his people home. Would you bow your head with me this morning? I want to talk to my believers in the room first as your heads are bowed. Christians, followers of Jesus in this room this morning... Are you puffed up and prideful because you think you've got it all figured out? Therefore missing God-given opportunities to have His heart for people. Desiring mercy, not sacrifice.
What do you do when your behavior seemingly contradicts the, the goal of Scripture? To take people to a Jesus whose yoke is easy and his burden is light. Are we, as God's people, saying that rest is found in Jesus alone? If you're not a believer in this room, I I need you to know that you, like every one of us, is insufficient. And no matter how much you want to accomplish or achieve or overcome, you will always be insufficient apart from Jesus. That doesn't mean you shouldn't work hard or whatever. It just means that your work will never lead to rest because Jesus leads to rest. He is our rest. So if you've never placed your faith in Him, He is the King, enthroned, Offering you mercy, compassion, and grace. Would you receive that this morning? Trusting in what God has done for you in Jesus. Father, over this family, I thank you. I thank you for what they mean to me. Why they mean it. I thank you for their hearts. Lord, I pray for myself as well as each of them, that rather than trying to be sufficient in and of my own power, I will realize that I will never be, that we will never be. And I pray that you would help us to see what it means to find our real resting place in you. Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus, the, the true Sabbath rest, the goal of all of the scriptures. If you need me, I'm in the back right hand corner.